Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the best action and biggest talking points in local sport. Coming up, we'll speak to racing sensation Seb Prio, fresh from claiming the Porsche Carrera Cup North America Championship. We'll also look ahead to this weekend's hockey in Trinsula as Guernsey and Jersey prepare to push back for the first time in more than two and a half years. You'll hear from two of the men hoping to lead Guernsey to glory at Foots Lane. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr and alongside me is Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingrall. Hi, Tony. Great to see you guys. Uh, busy week, lots going on, lots to look forward to, lots to look back on. The diary is jam-packed, Tony. It's great to see, it's great to see. Um, let's start with what happened last night. Uh, down at Footslane and talk Guernsey FC because they hosted the league leaders in Isthmian South Central. Um, you know, we sort of build it as their biggest test, certainly of the season. And actually, as it turned out, Gareth, we were both down there. Um, certainly one of the more impressive outfits in Bracknell Town um, to, to come to the lane, probably in, in GFC history, I guess. Yeah, um, they certainly were, Tony. I, I described it to um, Tony Vance afterwards as probably the most accomplished side I've seen at Foots Lane for, for many a year, to be honest. It's difficult when you're playing against a team of that quality. Mm. So uh, we showed some good, some good positive signs, and uh, but we never looked like probably really breaking them down. Uh, but um, you know, as I said, that's that's why they're top of the league. That's why they, they they've got the significant money that they're, yeah. they're paying out to their players, and that's why they call the quality of their players because yeah. they sort of uh, when, when even when we had good spells, um, they still were. Probably controlling us, controlling the ref, and controlling the situation, and yeah. uh, they, they were a good side. Bracknell had just good players in every position. They knew their jobs really well, and and they just you could tell they enjoyed carrying them out as well. And um, yeah, it was it was a it was a marked step a marked step up from what GFC have been facing in recent weeks going into that one. Um, I, I must admit, I don't think you'll face sides of that calibre very often in, in uh, the Isthmian South Central. Bracknell were uh, very, very good, and I don't think they probably hit top gear, to be honest. And a chap, Dave, well, we haven't given the score yet, have we? Uh, it was 3-0 in the end to, uh, to Bracknell Town. Uh, a chap called Dave Tarpey with a hat-trick, uh, someone who was... Uh, uh, yeah, sort of, sort of talk of the evening, really, because uh, this is someone who's played for. Well, he's, he's got a lot of goals in non-league football towards the, the top of the uh, the non-league. Pyramid. Yeah, he's he's got a very good reputation, sort of within the within non-league football. I think he's had offers to go um, into the football league. I, I don't think he took them up, but I, I, I've certainly read that uh, Coventry City were once interested in him. And you could just tell by by the movements and his his match awareness. He, he was obviously a classy player, but you could you could say that for most of the Bracknell Town side. To be honest, I thought they had some really good players. Um, certainly out on the left wing, um, Sebastian uh, Bowerman was was excellent as well. But yeah, just all round they were a quality side, and um, I felt rather sorry for uh, GFC that. Um, they obviously, you go into any game with a plan and within a quarter of an hour, they, they lose poor Louis Graham to injury and it meant a reshuffle and players playing in positions where they weren't due to be playing. And it, that certainly doesn't help in those situations. Um, I, I thought they they actually had a, a couple of decent spells, GFC, during the game. They, they certainly weren't sort of like outplayed for 90 minutes. They, they, um, they gave um, a good account themselves at times and Ross Allen came very close to scoring a, an outstanding free kick. It was a very good save from that. Um, but yeah, it, it, the result in the end was as comfortable as the scoreline suggests, to be fair. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Guernsey really threatened going forward. Yeah, as you said, they, they weren't outplayed though. And um, yeah, given the quality on show and, and um, 
yeah, there was a lot of talk about the, the wage bill at Bracknell. Uh, you know, clearly, they have a, a decent budget. They're not afraid to use it. Uh, and and uh, to be fair, they certainly enjoyed the victory, didn't they? Well, that was the one thing that sort of took quite a lot of us by surprise after the game. I mean, as far as I was concerned, they, they came over here as pretty red-hot favourites for, for the three points. Um, they proved it throughout the 90 minutes. Uh, the final whistle went and they, they were very, you know, very sporting, sportsmanlike. They shook the hands of the GFC players. But sort of once that happened, they suddenly celebrated almost as if they'd won the league. It was, it was just a bit of a surprise. And, and certainly the songs coming out of their changing room while I was sort of waiting around in the tunnel to do an interview or two, um, they were coming through loud and clear. So they obviously enjoyed, enjoyed the victory, yeah. <laughs> One man who didn't enjoy it, though, so much was the chairman. Well, he probably enjoyed the victory, to be fair, but didn't enjoy the trip necessarily. They, they tweeted, message from the chairman was the, the title. Yeah, very mysterious message from the chairman. I don't, it doesn't actually put a name on it. So I don't, uh, apologies, I've not done my research about who the, the Bracknell Town chairman is. But um, the message read, thank you to our players and staff. This is not an easy task midweek. Some have had to take two days holiday and our self-employed contingent has lost two days wages to make it out to this midweek fixture. The odds are stacked against you coming here midweek. He must have written this on the plane, perhaps. Came back, coming here midweek, traveling late in the afternoon, landing at 17.40 and then heading straight to the ground. It's crazy when you step back and look at what is being asked of some teams this season. Coming here on a Saturday is difficult enough, but midweek is crazy. It needs to be looked at at the cost to each of our players and staff is asking a lot. They're either losing valuable holiday or for our self-employed wages. It is just not acceptable. Uh, thank you also to our loyal fans who made the journey. It means a lot to the team hearing you behind the goal. Certainly yeah, the, the, the small pocket of Bracknell town fans behind the goal were very vocal uh, fantastic support from them so yeah I mean you know this has been an ongoing theme hasn't it you know we, we've heard over the last 10 years um, yeah. officials from clubs sort of having a bit of a moan strangely though this kind of is almost in polar opposite to what some of the players have tweeted from Bracknell Town, including uh, Scott Reese, who said, at Guernsey FC, your fans were amazing and so re respectful towards us, and to get a standing ovation and clapped off after the game was a touch of class. Uh, good luck to you for the rest of the season. Look forward to the reverse fixture. Um, someone else, I think, said, you know, basically that the whole experience was first class from start to finish. So, Well, it's one of those. So I, th I think the, the message from the chairman was a bit of a, an attack more at the, the fixture secretary of the Isthmian League rather than anything against the Guernsey hospitality um, I've, I've certainly seen a, a tweet um, in response to that basically saying that yeah the, the, what Bracknell a lot of their fans were disappointed about was they wouldn't be able to come to Guernsey as they would on a weekend so they obviously wanted to come to Guernsey which is which is great to hear um, Bracknell were perhaps a bit unfortunate in in the current sort of climate that they're going to be one of the very few sides to visit Foots Lane during midweek this season so um, they might feel a bit aggrieved that it was them out of sort of the whole league but yeah, it's one of those things that I know it's not particularly aimed at Guernsey or Guernsey FC, those comments, but it always comes across as a bit of a, a shame for us, especially when our, our lads have been sort of doing it for 10 years and they go away midweek and just so often. And yeah, sides who have to come here, come here once a season and that's it. So it, it does always sort of rile me a bit, that one. Yeah, anyway, so we'll see. But it does seem like there's some, some good blood between the, the two clubs and a lot of respect on both sides. So that's good to see and I'm sure... Um, I'm sure they'll be looking forward to welcoming Guernsey later in the season. Uh, it doesn't get much easier, does it, for GFC? They go to Uxbridge on Saturday, who are second at the table. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a tough little run for, for Tony Vance's side. And, and GFC at 16th in the Isthmian South Central after that one. Played seven, eight points on the board, two wins and two draws. 
Uh, most of the other teams in the league have played 11 or 12 matches now. So I, I think that was why just in the preview for the for the Bracknell game when I was speaking to um, Tony, he, he did sound pretty disappointed that they hadn't got more out of their previous four home games, which were a far more winnable games as than sort of like uh, the doubleheader of Bracknell and Uxbridge are going to be. So, um, yeah, I, I think certainly um, win, in winnable positions, they should have got at least three points out of one of their sort of two more recent games. It didn't work out that way. Obviously, um, Westfield last weekend got a got a equaliser from the penalty spot in about the ninety third minute. It's one of those things, but it would, the, just those two points would make the whole position look a lot healthier than than what it currently is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's leave Guernsey FC there. Uh, Jamie, what's been the the standout thing you've seen this week? Um, for me personally, it's been the penultimate round of the FNB cross-country series, uh, attracting over 100 runners to Bordeaux. Um, we had a different winner, although it was Steve Dawes who won by over half a minute from James Priest, who's sort of been one of the most dependable cross-country runners of late. But um, yeah, Steve is anything but a new name to the local scene um he's taken a few years out and not really raced during those years but there was a time where effectively Lee Merriam was our top runner we'd have a little gap then it'd be Steve Dawes and he's sort of accustomed to placing second quite a lot but now he's come back Lee's no longer really racing on the domestic scene and he's finding some quite good competition so he's still got it then yeah of course uh, he's a guy who's won multiple Hampshire championships as well so really high quality of runner yeah, just when uh, Lee Merrion sort of hangs up his boots, they see Steve Dawes coming back to the start line. They must be, <laughs> some runners must be absolutely gutted. <laughs> oh, the, uh, the one thing we did, well, the one runner we didn't have, unfortunately, is Will Bodkin. After his heroics, he, he won the first round of the cross-country series, went and won, won the Guernsey Marathon the following weekend, won the second round of the series a week later, and that appeared to be too much for him, and he's unfortunately out injured. Um, he's still potentially series favourite, provided he can get it together and race at the end of January for the season finale. But yeah, <laughs> a bit unfortunate. Let's hope Will does get fit. He's got a few weeks to uh, to do it, or albeit over Christmas, which probably <laughs> yeah. if I was trying to get fit over Christmas, uh, I think I'd uh, suffer. I think we should give a, a very quick shout out to our old colleague Nick Mann, who wandered across the Jersey last weekend and won their half marathon too. So that was nice to see a Guernsey winner over in in the Sister Isle last weekend. Notch that up, yeah. What a Nick. Um, well, one more absolute highlight of the week um, came from the United States. Uh, a fantastic result for Seb Prio, who claimed the Porsche Carrera Cup North America Championship after a long summer of racing. Uh, absolutely fantastic to see. Jamie, you were kind of keeping across this story for us yes, in, I was. in the paper. Just talk us through where things sat going into that final round at Road Atlanta for, for Seb and, and how it played out. Yeah, I think you had to say Seb would be the favourite going into the final round. He had... Effectively, he could have sealed the championship on the first race and it would have potentially taken disaster for him not to. But yeah, there are three races. You you could theoretically have seen any of the two guys behind him come back and take the championship from him. And yeah, it's a good thing for Seb that they didn't. But Seb was pretty dominant over the weekend. Uh, He won the first race. He took a close second to his teammate, Kevin Barlow, in the second. And then, yeah finish it all off with a win in the third. Yeah, awesome to see. And it was some quotes from, from Seb's dad, Andy, of course, um, in the paper early in the week in which he sort of, 
you know, said that this is the season he's kind of gone from a from a boy to a man yeah. and actually gone from a, yeah, from a, a talented driver yeah, yeah. To, a, to a truly world-class driver. So, well, Seb actually has been back in Guernsey for a, a very short pit stop before he heads back off to uh, compete in the sort of global shootout, isn't it, for the Porsche Carrera Cup. And I caught up with him uh, a little bit earlier on. I mean, first of all, Seb, just just uh, try and put into words, if you can, how much it means and, and what it felt like to, to win this championship this season. Um, really emotional, really. Um, I've dreamt about this my whole entire life. I watched my dad win many world championships. But, you know, for me, it was, it was an accomplishment in my life. Um, you know, something that I've really been working on for a while. I've been unlucky. I mean, you make your own luck, you know, but it, it didn't sink in the first time I, I, you know, I won, you know, it didn't sink in, but it's an amazing achievement, I think. And uh, I'm just really happy that I've ended on the season on a high. Um, you can go into the winter knowing that, you know, I've, I won this year and I'm I'm a champion, so I can't ask for any more. Yeah, because you came into Georgia to that final um, that final race meeting with a with a decent lead in the championship, but still with a job to do. Uh, how yeah, what, what was that feeling like when you you secured the the points you needed to to be crowned champion? Um, emotional, yeah, um, a, a lot of emotions really. Uh, it was amazing, but also all that tough work I've done this year. Um, you know, it's up and downs. You have a motorsport; it just all hit me at once, and it was, it was an amazing, you know, achievement. And I think uh, an amazing feeling as well. But it just didn't sink in. I couldn't. It's hard to explain. It doesn't really feel real. You know, it just takes a while to digest. But now I'm coming back home here, and yeah, it feels amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. And obviously, um, you sort of alluded to alluded to it there. It's been an incredibly difficult. Uh, set of circumstances to, to, to just to do your job in, um, let alone you know try and compete at the the, the front of that uh, championship and, and eventually win it. That must be yeah hugely sort of proud to reflect on on the challenges you've overcome. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this year's been up and down. I've been away from home pretty much all year, um, and to win that with my family being there, um, you know, it's just one of the incredible feeling that you can you can get I mean it's it's impossible to describe sort of thing it's you know you really got to feel it to know what it's like but uh, when I sat on the car after I won the first race of the weekend knowing that I've won the championship um, I didn't have to do anything else so I just yeah just kind of broke down a little bit just felt like this is it I've done it I've, I've achieved what I wanted to do so um yeah you posted that photo of you sitting on top of the car alongside a similar picture of your dad, um, obviously from a few years ago now. Uh, but that, that must be pretty special to look at that and, and, and think that you're, um, you know, you're kind of following in his footsteps. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, I mean, I was like three or four when dad was, when, when it won his world championship there. So now I'm 20. So it's like weird that, you know, 15 years down the line, I'm winning my own world, well, no championships, not world just yet, but my own championships. Yeah. Is that photo something you had in mind when you sat on top of the car? Did you, you know, did, did yeah. you, or was it something you just did naturally and then you looked back at it later and thought, you know, that's... Uh... It's actually a bit of both. I mean, um, I remember my dad doing it, but I kind of just jumped, you know, it's the sort of thing you want to do when you, you've won the championship. You want to just, because the car, you bond with the car. And, you know, I bonded with my car this whole year and it, it treated me well and I wanted to give it, you know, a bit of love at the end and I just sat on it and just kind of felt, the energy coming from the car yeah it's quite weird incredible incredible and what's it been like for you over there in america this summer i mean have there been some difficult moments some some lonely moments where you, you know i guess you've been probably doing a lot of isolation and uh you know not not being able to get back home i guess as, as often as you might like to have done 
Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, I haven't actually done much isolation, but I've done a lot on my own just because I haven't been able to, uh, you know, come back home. But I've, I've loved every minute of it. You know, I've kind of enjoyed being around America and being in Florida. Um, that's where I spent, spent most of my time. Um, I've loved it. I think, you know, it's not that nice to always be there if you haven't got your family around. But, you know, I've, I've really I really enjoyed this whole year, and I've, I'm sad it's kind of over, to be honest. So, uh, but, you know, next year will come. I'm not sure what I'm doing just yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on, on next year now. And I guess, um, yeah, clearly winning the championship in, in Georgia will be uh, the thing that sticks with you forever. But what, what was there a, a particular moment, a particular track, a, a race that, that stands out that, that, that everything sort of clicked and you felt uh, sort of peak of your powers this, this season? Indy uh, was my, pretty much where my championship changed around for me, um, Indianapolis. But the highlight of the year, I have to say, it's Road Atlanta, the last race. I know it sounds kind of weird, but I just enjoyed it. I won the race. I didn't have any pressure. I had fun. I had the championship wrapped up. I had I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to do anything. So I just had fun and I drove my, my heart out as I always do. But I, I went across that checkered line, um, you know, first place and I won the championship. I just, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. It was amazing. So that's a highlight of my year. Um, highlight of the whole season, to be honest. Yeah, brilliant. And you're off to Spain for the the kind of global shootout for the, the Carrera Cup. Uh, just talk us through how that works and, and yeah, what your feeling is going into it. Um, so yeah, so obviously this one mate series is pretty much one of the hardest one mate series in the world. Um, so when you win, you know you get a well, you sometimes get a, a you know sort of a, a way into Super Cup, which is on the F1 program. Um, so you have to do a junior shootout. Um, so you get picked up to do that. Um, so that there's 12 guys involved in it, 12 drivers. Um, if I win that shootout, I, I get a. I think it's like a pretty much fully funded um, Porsche Carrera Cup, uh, Porsche Super Cup drive on the F1 program. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that'd be awesome, but we'll just see what Multimatic want to do with me and I'm, I'm happy whatever they, 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 they've got for me. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty big prize on offer then. Um, yeah, I, I guess you're going to it feeling as confident as anyone else on that grid because uh, you're going as a champion. For sure. So, you know, I'm going to maximise everything. doesn't mean I'm going to win it, but, um, you know, I've had a great season, whatever happens. And, uh yeah, I've proved what I needed to prove, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy whatever happens. And what's the winter look like? Uh, what are you looking forward to doing? Is it a bit of time on the bike and just sort of chilling out? Yeah, I think just nice to be back home, have Christmas at home, I think, and uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy being with my family and friends, and uh, yeah, look forward to, to next year. But I think right now I'm just going to take take today. You know, I'm 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 not I don't want to look too far ahead. You know, I just want to enjoy the moment really absolutely well you deserve it thanks for spending some time seb thank you very much tony good to speak to you again welcome back to the guernsey press sport podcast seb prio speaking to me a little earlier on congratulations again to him a uh, fantastic milestone i'm uh, looking forward to, to seeing how he gets on uh, down in spain over the next couple of weeks uh, thanks for listening to the podcast do hit subscribe or follow wherever you get your shows to get every episode delivered straight to you and of course for comprehensive coverage of local sport monday to saturday do pick up a paper 
Now, the next cab off the rank when it comes to the return of interinsular sports is hockey. Uh, more than 30 months since their last meeting, Guernsey hosts Jersey on Saturday in two senior matches as well as two junior interinsulars. Uh, it should be an absolute cracker, uh, even if it is, I guess, still slightly abridged version of, of what we've been used to in the past with, you know, with multiple teams playing on the same day. Uh, but really looking forward to it. We'll be live streaming both senior games over on the Guernsey Press Sport Facebook page. Uh, so if you can't can't get down to Footslay and then do get involved there. Of course, if you can get to the club, do. I know they're hoping for plenty of support down there. Uh, Gareth, for supporters in person on Saturday or, or watching on the stream, what can they expect from these two matches? Um, very tight, competitive matches for sure, Tony. The hockey entrance is just very rarely uh, um, one-sided. <laughs> there was one... There was one incident of it a few years ago when I think Guernsey men put nine past Jersey, but that is a very, very rare occurrence. Usually it is very hard to pick a winner in either the men's or the women's game when it comes to the senior hockey in Trinslers. Um And um, yeah, in, as I've said before, um, the quality in the standard of hockey across the Channel Islands is, is really, really high. Um, it's perhaps still a bit of a niche sport in, in some regards, but um, in terms of just technique, skill, um, and and tactical awareness as well, um, you don't see much better in terms of sort of just domestic sport. Yeah, you said before that it's uh, the sort of the best kept secret yeah. of local sport. I call yeah. our hockey um, our hockey club. Really, if you turn up there on a Saturday afternoon, you'll see some really really top class action every yeah. time. You've blown that secret, really. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> but we will see plenty of people down there on Saturday because uh, yeah, it is. It's a great spectacle. Just uh, I mean, March 2019 feels like a different world. Um, just remind us of the, the recent history and, and, and kind of how the sides went into the pandemic and how they're sort of shaping up coming out of it. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I was having a quick look back. Um, I, I remembered Guernsey won the men's match sort of 32 months ago, but I actually looked back at the team photo and there's, and it's surprising actually how much our side has changed. I mean, there's a couple of guys there who are no, no longer on Ireland. Um, uh, Morgan Harries was a guy who came over to Guernsey and made a big impact. He was a very good player. So there's, um, there are some changes. It's not unusual for that to happen. Um, in terms of the women's match, um, Jersey are the current holders. They just edged us out last time with a, with a very late goal. It was a very tight game. It finished 2-1 to Jersey. Um, and... Yeah, it's, it's, I, th I very much think it's going to be sort of similar score lines around this time. This, fingers crossed they're both um, in Guernsey favour, though, to be fair. Well, Gareth and I popped down to the men's last trading session ahead of Saturday's big interinsular return and uh, spoke to uh, two of Guernsey's squad, Matt Stokes and Johnny Clark. Well, chaps, uh, yeah, thanks for sparing a few minutes in the, ahead of the last session uh, before the big interinsular on Saturday. Um, just give us a sense of, of, of how excited you guys are and how much excitement there is in the camp just to get the chance to play a big fixture like this again, an interinsular. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, well, for the Gunners team, it's been, what, two years now since, uh, since we played the interinsular. So I think there's, uh, there's double excitement in, in the camp to, to get out there and, and get stuck in. You know, we, uh, we played a couple of weeks back, week, weeks back in the UK and uh, it didn't go away, but I think that's fired us up to, uh, to sort of, Sort of prove ourselves and, and get out there and, and get and beat Jersey basically. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait. Yeah, and Slicksy, obviously, uh, cricket wise, this summer you didn't get the chance to, to get on a pitch against Jersey, so it's so nice to get the opportunity in a, in a hockey shirt. Oh, definitely. It's always a pleasure to put on a Guernsey shirt, especially against, against Jersey, and to not have done it in two, in two years and to have the opportunity in front of hopefully a big crowd. Um, having the ladies bomb before us, having the, ju the juniors playing as well, it's going to be a great day. I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome. And in terms of a one off contest going into it, uh, better to have 
won the previous game, you know, that, that, that English Cup game or, or lost it in terms of focusing the mind? I think, I think just playing the game, I think it's put, put us in good stead that we've had a game, I mean, we haven't played a game together in almost two years. And so to have a game together, to work out how we play as a team, um, we, I mean, we played against a good, a good National League side in Oxted who had been playing for four or five years together. Um, so I think the fact that we've had a game under our belts, we know um, the fitness levels we need to be at, we know the intensity that we want to play at, and that will that will put us in good stead uh, on Saturday. D- did you find the team sort of gelling quite quickly? Like you say, it's been sort of two years since we played together, but I mean, how quickly do you sort of be able to sort of make combinations again? Yeah, I mean, we've been working on a few a few combinations in terms of set plays, etc. At training, um, and it did take us you know, 10, 15 minutes to to get going. Um, but a lot of the guys have played with each other for for years and in, in various forms. So in terms of knowing who does what, I mean, it, I think it didn't take us too long to get to get to know that. But like likes myself, I haven't you know I haven't played, I've been on the island for nine or ten years. So um, but instantly sort of found my feet and, and got going. And I thought that actually, given that we hadn't played for two years, I thought that we actually played really really well yeah. against what, what as Stacey said it was a really really strong opposition. Yeah, we always get a bit unlucky with these um, draws in, in <laughs> yeah. the tier two, yeah. don't we? I mean, Oxted as a club are sort of premier national prem so um, yeah it, I mean as players it must be nice to be able to play against um, guys of that standard but it'd be ideal for Guernsey to actually be able to progress a couple of games before getting those sort of ties wouldn't you think? Oh, definitely I mean we, yeah, we've had East Grinstead twos in the past we've had a real hard luck of first round draws but yeah when um, I was back in 2018 20, 2017 when we had a few cup runs it was really nice to play uh, every so often in a Guernsey shirt, coming home, away and actually gelling as a team and then playing those harder teams later on um, because we then played together. I, th- I think that we should have won um, when we played at Oxted and um, if we'd played together more often, I think that those last, li- those last little passes that didn't quite work would have come and I think, I think we, we, we would have won comfortably. Yeah. Looking ahead to this weekend, in terms of Jersey, um, they're always tight games. Um, do you sort of know what to expect from them in terms of game plan and how they're going to approach the game? I don't. I don't think we can sort of plan and, and focus what they're going to do. You know, it's, as I say it's been a while. It's been two years. You know, in those two years, they probably have players leave, players come in. Um, so the way they're going to line up the formations, the sort of patterns they're going to play, I don't think we can really expect anything. And we've just got to focus on our game, um, do the things that we know we can do well. You know, on the on the on the break, on the counter attack. Um, you know, we're always um, pretty hard team to break down. And um, if we focus on those key areas, I think that, that, that no doubt that we'll, we'll put up a really, really good fight. How's the Guernsey squad evolved over the two years? Um, do you sort of come out of this, the other side of the pandemic, if you like, with as much strength and depth and as much quality as going into it? I think so. I think we've got more strength and depth now than we did um, three or four years ago. Um, I remember coming down here and there was sort of eight, nine players playing because they knew that they were going to get into the team. Whereas now we've had up to 25 players down here fighting for positions and no one knows if they're going to make it all or not, which makes the training sessions so much more intense and match realistic and that has put us in a really good place for where, for where we are now. Talking about the strength of depth, the actual sort of competitiveness of the domestic league has been great. I mean, we've got five teams in the top division and on their day, you could almost say every side can beat each other. I mean, even college have given sort of a really good account of themselves this season. Um, do you th- that sort of preparation help going into the intrinsic as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, no doubt. I mean, it, I think the, the Guernsey side is a reflection on, on how good the domestic leagues are, no doubt, because if we're not playing a high standard on a regular basis, naturally, your standards start to drop. So I think that it's, it's really healthy for the island to have a really competitive domestic league. I think the teams are very even, and I think every team's looking at that table thinking that if they get a couple of 
um, results going their way, that they can really start fighting for the top two, one place. Um, and, you know, that, that was a reflection when we played um, Indies on the weekend. It was, a, it was a cracking game of hockey. Yeah. Um, both me and Stokesy were in the same team. We came up on top, which is nice. It's nice to have. And uh, scored uh, as well. Both scored. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to mention that, but you know, if, if you had to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it, was good, it was a great game of hockey. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it puts us in a good stead um, going to hockey yeah. in general. Yeah. The big question for you, Stoker. Mm -hmm. um, will you be pulling rank on short corner drag flicks this weekend when, when they come about? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the better ones in the squad, but there are a few options, there aren't are, there? Yeah, so. yeah, we do have a few corner routines, so I'm sure you'll see a wide variety of them coming yeah. out on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and, of course, as it turns out, 2019 was at home, this one's at home. How much sort of advantage does that give us? I mean, there's bound to be a big crowd here, because there always is, but, I mean, to have that after sort of two and a bit years of not playing the interest, there must be a big boon for you guys. Oh, it's massive. And play, the crowd is just, it's just the best part of it, you know. Um, if, if you go play, a, a, like, a top, top-level game of hockey, you may, in the UK, you may get, like, 50 people coming to watch. You have an insular, insular in Jersey, and there'll be, you know, the stands will be full, everyone will be cheering. It's just a fantastic uh, event, just from that perspective, mm -hmm. and there's no doubt that when when the legs start hurting in those last 10 minutes or, uh, or you know, your goal down, the crowd just makes a massive difference to, to how you're feeling. It just gets you up for it and, and uh, then, yeah, it just helps. So, yeah, can't wait, can't wait for them to all come down. Yeah. yeah. And we've got to have one quick word for the, the elder statesman of the team, <laughs> Mr uh, Andy Worley, who's... I mean, it's Andy Good, uh, the coach, calls him sort of the, the best player Guernsey's produced, and I don't think many people can argue with that. Um, he's, he's quite um, quite proud of the fact he made his debut in the Interim in 1991, so 30 years ago. I mean, it's a phenomenal record, and it's, he's, he's, he's non-stop, isn't he? He's, he's still that good. that he, he, He's almost like the, still the first name on the team sheet. It must be incredible to play alongside. Oh, I mean, in terms of his like like experience on the pitch, like you just can't beat it, and to have that in the changing room, particularly before and after matches, um, is just uh, it's invaluable to the, to the to the team, don't you think? And it's um, uh, yeah, he'll he'll always be be there there and about in the team sheet because he just yeah brings so much on and off the field. Yeah, I think he's got another thirty years in him. He probably does. Though, <laughs> yeah, he probably does. <laughs> We were trying to figure out how many of the side are actually born when he um, uh, first I, started playing. No, wasn't I? Uh, no. And I was one of the old, I was one of the older members of the team as well, which is even worse. So, yeah. <laughs> I reckon we've got 80, and that's probably it. So, yeah. It. yeah. So, yeah. 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 Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, And just, um, just to really finish off, how do you rate our chances? Mm. I'm really, really com confident going in um, to Saturday's game. Uh, not being, compla being complacent, we've still got to play good hockey. Um, if we take our ch chances, play well within ourselves and you know, push for every goal, then I think we, we, we will come out on top. Yeah, couldn't say it better. You know, we, uh, they're going to have a strong squad, so we can't be complacent. We can't um, just hope that we turn up and win. So it's just a matter of uh, making sure that mentally we are in the right place, that when that first whistle goes, we're ready to rumble and, and hit them hard. Yeah. <laughs> and one last training session to get ready tonight, just to nail those starting spots down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll go through a few set plays, a few corner corners, just to get everything ready for Saturday. Brilliant. Well, cheers, guys. Best of luck. Super. Thanks, cheers. Yeah, thank thank you, guys. Cheers. cheers. Matt Stokes and Johnny Clark speaking to Gareth and I there. Uh, Gareth, a couple of yobos. Yes. <laughs> Regulars. Yeah, yobos are um, they're doing actually really well this season. They've just um, inflicted the first defeat on Indies last last week, and um, they've got sort of like almost like the spine of the Guernsey side now. I mean, Matt Stokes is just. You could argue he's perhaps the best all-round sportsman in Guernsey at the moment. I mean, obviously he's, he's a star cricketer as well for the island, but um, 
he, he's um, he's an outstanding hockey player too. Johnny Clark is a really just a really dependable, solid player. He's he's um, he's sort of back in the islands, um, having spent some time away, and he just sort of slots straight back in. He's a classy player, and, and Yobos also have Will Thompson, who will be part of the the Guernsey side, who's. Um, uh, just, just such a. He's, he's like the Duracell bunny. He's just a non-stop, on-the-go midfielder all the time, and and they'll sort of be forming the backbone of the Guernsey side. And then you've got sort of like the, the flair going forward of Andy Worley, the old stager, as I think we could describe him. But he's still the class act, really. Um, yeah, we talked about this the other day. It's quite a milestone uh, that Andy Worley's clocking up this weekend. Yeah, he made his debut um, for Guernsey back in 1991, so it's 30 years since he made his interinsular debut. Um, and yeah, like um, like we said before, he's still probably the first name on the team sheet. He's just he's um, just that that good and just has that bigger influence on the team. He was obviously player coach for a long time as well when he first came back to the island. Um, he's um, no longer got the coaching role. He's um, handed that over to Andy Good. I mean, can there be many more sportsmen in, in this kind of you know physical team sport that will have had a thirty year span in terms of interinsular re- representation? Um, I wouldn't have thought so, Tony. I mean, like Andy's done, I mean, you have to start in your mid-teens. He was obviously, I think he was only what, 16 when he first started, um, if that, to be honest. So you need to sort of keep yourself in pretty good physical condition to still be going 30 years later. I think the great thing about hockey is um, the, the masters categories you have as well. So you can, you sort of, it, that keeps a, an interest in a lot of people. I mean, Andy's been doing it for several years. Steve Waldron does it now. Um, he plays for England, England Masters. Other guys like Adrian Gidney have been involved. AD Peacegood's sort of gone down that route in recent years as well. So that helps keep a, an enthusiasm in your game. You get to sort of still travel the world, even if you're um, what might be seen as partial peak, I suppose. But um, yeah, to to be playing interinsular hockey for 30 years, and to be honest, it, it's hard. If Andy decides to call it a day understandable but the way he's going it's hard to see him doing that to be honest he's <laughs> he's still one of the best players over here and you can sort of still see him turning out for Guernsey in, in, in the next four or five years it's, it's sort of remarkable yeah incredible stuff uh, right as I say we're going to be streaming it so um, do keep an eye on our Facebook page uh, Guernsey Press Sport uh, for live streams of both the women's and the men's uh, senior interinsulars the women push back at 10.30 and the men at 12 uh, so keep an eye out uh, for that there's also two junior matches the junior girls in action at 9 and the junior boys uh, in action at 1.30 both uh, under 16 uh, clashes and possibly the first junior interinsulars to, to take place since the pandemic I think it could well be in terms of sort of certainly team events um I know there's been sort of junior swimmers and athletes sort of going to either island, competing in open events and stuff. But I think this might well be the first junior interinsular since travel restrictions were were lifted. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be a big day down the football. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's great to see, isn't it? The last couple of years, um, yeah, so many young sports people have missed out on. The, those kind of seminal uh, junior fixtures. So uh, it's great to see them getting back online. Um, yeah, so do check out the stream. Do head down to support uh, Guernsey at Futsalane on Saturday. And of course, uh, we'll have full coverage in the paper ahead of and after the match. So a busy weekend ahead. Uh, not just that, we've got rugby down there uh, at Futsalane on Saturday. We'll come on to that in a moment. But Jamie, let's talk basketball. Yeah, so a big men's Division 1 game on Friday night. Uh, we've got three teams which could theoretically challenge for the title. Uh, quite well balanced as the Guernsey Basketball Association's draft system would 
sort of target. But yeah, um, okay, so it's Skipton versus Le Mans. Skipton are the defending champions. They've won it four years in the trot now. They'll obviously be targeting a fifth. But so far this season, Le Mans have looked very strong. Uh, they got a 27-point victory over Skipton in the, their first clash of the season. Uh, to, in their credit, Skipton were missing a few players then. But uh, they've now since beaten Mayside, who are kind of a third title contending team, twice on the trot, about a week apart. So, yeah, they'll be hoping to build on that first performance. And, yeah, it should be an interesting clash. Yeah, you'll be down there. And Gareth, after the hockey, you'll be racing across to, to watch some rugby. I'll be walking across the way somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't raced anywhere in my, in my adult life. But I think. <laughs> to be fair, you could just sort of twist your neck and watch it from I, the I could just sort of wander club. about a few places across the balcony at the, club, at the hockey club, but I won't be doing that. Uh, yeah, um, after sort of three successive defeats for Raiders, who have had pre- pretty, um, pretty tough fixtures over those three weeks, um, they actually host um, National 2 South Bottom Club Westcliff at 2 o'clock um, on Saturday, so they'll be looking to get back to winning ways. Um, they have made quite a few changes to their side, Jordan Reynolds, I think, is just sort of trying to freshen things up and also have a have a look at a couple of new combinations. Um, hopefully, um, it's a case of um, what you'd see on paper. Um, I'd, I don't want to show Westcliff any disrespect, but um, by all accounts, they've been struggling a lot with injuries. Um, they, they've only got one point on the board this season. They haven't won yet. So you would expect the way Raiders have been playing, even though they have suffered sort of defeats recently, they have been tight games. You would very much expect Raiders to be pretty comfortable winners, fingers crossed. Yeah, let's hope so. As you say, GFC are away uh, against the second place team. It has been South Central, but uh, a few Prio fixtures to look out for. Yeah, St. Martin's um, host Alderney at one o'clock at Blanche Pear Lane on, on Saturday. And then there's three games following on at two o'clock. Um, I'll be the pick of them will be um, North versus Rovers at Northfield but um, Rangers also host Sylvans at um, St Andrews and Valrec will be playing Manza at the Corbett Field so it's a, it's a full schedule of pre league fixtures on Saturday afternoon and Jamie further afield uh, some boxing to keep an eye on oh yeah best of luck to Billy Lepelan who's fighting for the Western Counties elite title it's part of his pathway to making the nationals and ideally getting the Commonwealth Games squads um, we've already had six classy athletes announced as part of the squad and hopefully yeah, Billy can find his name amongst them. Yeah, it'd be great to see. Well, good luck to, to Billy. Uh, good luck to everyone representing Guernsey in whatever sport uh, this weekend. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about the, the best of it. Uh, we'll also be here on Monday with a football show, so keep an ear out for that. And a final reminder about the hockey live stream on Saturday uh, on our Facebook page, Guernsey Press Sport, for the women's and men's senior hockey interviews at 10.30 and 12 o'clock. So if you can't get down to Fitzlane, uh, do cast your eye over there and, uh, and support Guernsey from afar. Thanks very much, guys. Enjoy the weekend. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.